Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Monday, November 28th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Could there be such a thing as a ho-hum Chiefs victory? If so, that happened on Sunday. The Chiefs topped the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams 26-10. The outcome never seemed to be in doubt, and the Chiefs covered the spread, but still, the offense got stalled in the red zone. There was another muff punt. It was like what Vahe Gregorian said on today's show, which started as a Sports Beat Live broadcast, by the way. It can seem like the Chiefs are a gifted student, kind of bored with the curriculum. Vahe was joined by Sam McDowell, Herbie Teopi, and Jesse Newell on today's show. Let's get started. Sports Beat Live here. We've got Sam McDowell, Herbie Teopi, Vahe Gregorian talking after the Chiefs' 26-10 victory over the Rams. Guys, how we feeling? I guess first off, let's start like we always do uh, without Blair here with the injury report. Uh, Herbie, not too much from the injury report after the uh, Chiefs game last night. I know um, a little bit with a safety, but other than that, Chiefs coming out of this pretty unscathed. Yeah, I was actually waiting for someone to say, Sports Beat Live! You know, I figured you would take this show today. Yeah, the only only injury of note there was Dion Bush with an elbow injury. But, you know, Coach Andy Reid said after the game, it should be okay. Uh, there was a scare with Legereus Sneed, who spent some time in the blue medical tent being evaluated for concussion near the end of the first half. But, hey, start of the third quarter, there he was. He was out there, and he actually came up with uh, probably uh, one of the more critical interceptions, the two that the Chiefs recorded off of the Rams, Bryce, quarterback Bryce Perkins, towards the end of the game there, and Andy Reid credited him with that as well. I do want to encourage you guys to give your comments. We will talk about what you guys want to talk about. And George uh, Howard, our producer, will throw them up there if uh, we get some good topics and then want to chat about uh, the Chiefs' victory. Again, it was a kind of interesting one, Sam. Um, Ho-hum performance, I would say, but the Chiefs still cover. Um, The offense was pretty good between the 20s, but not very good in the red zone. But I thought you brought up a great point in your column and something we all need to sort of look back at and take a big-picture view of, which is – um, everybody was praising the Rams last year for going all in for, hey, winning the Super Bowl. And yet I was thinking about this today. The Chiefs kind of have their cake and they get to eat it, too. Like, who would you say is the favorite to win the Super Bowl this year? I'd probably say the Chiefs. If you had to pick a team in five years to win the Super Bowl, who would you take? I'd probably take the Chiefs. How about 10 years? I might take the Chiefs. So that's really where you're looking at with the Chiefs right now. They are in an amazing position not only this year, but years in the future. And a lot of that credit goes to Brett Veach and their staff. and also Andy Reid, because they really have this thing rolling, but not only for this year, but also for the long term. Yeah, um, thanks, host Jesse. Um, we, uh, you know, it, it was a, it's a topic that we've all discussed before that, you know, obviously the Chiefs offseason strategy was to extend this window for as long as possible, even if that meant that, you know, you might see a team like the Bills, you know, stack towards this year and maybe even have a better roster this year. But it's just never been such a a contrasting view so up close. And, you know, the Rams obviously went all in last year and, you know, found a a video during that game where their GM Les Snead at the championship parade, literally, you know, his closing line is F them picks because they traded draft picks for players. And you're seeing the consequence of it. I mean, this, you know, listen, I I know that Bryce Perkins started yesterday at Arrowhead Stadium and, you know, the the Rams weren't going to have a chance whether the rest of the roster was good or not because Bryce Perkins is not. But they're three and six with Matthew Stafford and that team's problems extends far beyond their quarterback position. Um, You know, their, their offensive line is ranked as one of the very worst in football, even when healthy. 
I, I know, you know, they've got the star names on defense when you look at Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Floyd, but it's 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 not a good defense. You know, they're ranked 16th, 17th, 18th in, in the major categories. And then you've got the Chiefs on the opposite side who said, we might take a step back this year. We're going to trade one of the best receivers in the game. And they're still better than, than the Rams. They're set up, as you mentioned, Jesse, significantly better for the future because they've got 11 picks next year. The Rams have six. And by the way, four of those are in the sixth and seventh round. The Chiefs have the 12th most cap room next year. The Rams are already over the cap for next year. They're going to have to make some moves. So they don't have the resources to, to plug the holes that they've created by doing this. It's just, it's, it's like I mentioned at the top, it, there's just never been so up close and personal reinforcements of, of what the Chiefs did this offseason. Yeah, and it's hard to keep these things going. Um, I know you talked to you know some uh, people in the locker room about that. I mean, it's it's difficult to always have this year after year after year. Usually, you know, we, <clears throat> excuse me, you see like the Royals, they had their little window in, in 13, 14, 15, and then for a while you kind of uh, go adrift. You know what I mean? And for the Royals, that's been an extended period now. But uh, it's amazing for the Chiefs to think about, you know, how many guys are we talking about? I know Rob just had this comment on there that the rookies are doing well, but how many of these guys now are we talking about like, how did Isaiah Pacheco slip to the seventh round and go to the Chiefs? You know, how did uh, you use some of those draft picks? How, how did they get Kadarius Toney and everybody else let them? But again, this is kind of the situation the Chiefs have created, not only with Brett Veach, but with the coaching staff that they bring in this talent. It works, and these rookies are all playing. I looked uh, looked up the snap counts. I know, Herbie, you'll have those coming up. But uh, Joshua Williams, 100% of the snaps this past week, and that was the first time for him. I know Jalen Watson, we saw him in the locker room with a cast on his hand uh, last week, so maybe that limited some of his playing time. But you count all these guys up, you know, Leo Chanel, Sky Moore, at least in the receiving game. I know we'll get to that, Her, or Vahe, uh, you know, what he contributes there. George Karloftis with his sack, Trent McDuffie. Now he played 100% of the snaps uh, last or this past game for the first time ever. So uh, you add that all up, and again, you're just kind of replenishing what is already being replenished, Sam, and uh, it's pretty impressive what the Chiefs are doing right now. Yeah, you know, one of the, the things about it is, I mean, we're not overlooking the most important factors for the Chiefs. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is still A, Andy Reid is still B, but C is pretty important. And that's what the Rams, they don't have the ability to go out and get the, the, the nucleus the, or the, the, the pieces that surround the nucleus there. And the Chiefs have set themselves up to where, and I, I still think that the Chiefs are going to be aggressive when they have positions of need, but they're in a position to do that. You know, they've, they've got the, the, the finances and the draft picks to, to go get somebody if they do have holes that they need. And, you know, one of the things I was thinking about as I was writing that is if the Rams are drafting tomorrow for next year, I guarantee you that fan base that's watched them play 11 games can have a pretty lengthy list of, oh, you got to have a left tackle. You got to have a right tackle, too. Um, you need a safety. And they, they, can, they can list those guys. If the Chiefs are drafting tomorrow, it, it feels more like luxuries than exact needs. I mean, I don't even know what position I say right now. I mean, yeah, there's guys who are free agents that will probably leave, but it's less clear. And, I, like, that's what is going to allow them, because they, you know, replenished their, their secondary this last year with, with a bunch of rookies that you just mentioned, there's just a less obvious need that, the, you know, and if they if they have one, if they end up one with one at left tackle, for example, they're going to have the resources to to go get that. Definitely an envious spot to be in. Vi, I wanted to get to you. I know you've got your morning coffee, or Joe, I've got my morning uh, 
Dr. Pepper Zero. So we're getting our caffeine both in uh, different ways, but similarly uh, getting it through the bloodstream. But um, I've also got an IV, J Jesse. <laughs> Just tap it right in there. Um, yeah. So again, the Chiefs win 26-10. They cover the spread. They look impressive between the 20s. The defense had some highlights, but yet I think all of us, you leave feeling like, okay. And that was kind of the sense in the locker room too, right? With Patrick Mahomes as well. And I know you wrote about the Bahe. So how should people feel about this? I mean, is okay fine enough against this Rams team and, and what the performance of the Chiefs game last, gave last night? Yeah, look, there's so many ways to look at this. And, and you know, my theory really kind of is they're, they're like the, the, the gifted student who's not being challenged in, in some of these games. And I, I don't know, I wouldn't say they get bored or they, or they, they, uh, they don't, you know, keep playing with intensity. But I do think there's a mental thing that at some level, you know, you're going to win this game. Um, you're moving 80 yards a drive. Uh, there's a little lack of attention to detail. You know, five out of six times in the red zone, they didn't get a touchdown. Um, that's a few different things in some ways, a little encapsulated in that throw by Patrick in the end zone where, uh, I guess he's now referring to it as the one dumb play he has every game. They'll be okay if they get that out. Um, but I, I think there's a few different things going on here. Some's just a matter of perception. I, you know, I came here in 2013, the chiefs were coming off a two and 14 season, uh, game like that, you know, would have been not season making, but pretty welcome. Then I think you do start getting a little different warped sense of uh, what, what it, what it is to just keep winning. Um, and I think also, you know, we do forget as bad as the Rams are, you know, they're, they, they've got some guys they've got, they've got, uh, you still have to beat them. I, I'll give Andy Reed a, a tip of the cap on it. You know, they're not a JV, but a more focused chiefs team wins that game, you know, 40 to 10. Um, so one last thing, just while I got the mic, uh, just to go back to, to Sam and uh, Sam's column, that was uh, such a smart idea. And, and, and as Sam put it, really such a vivid contrast to have those two teams on the field with those two different philosophies. It's, it, you know, when they made the Tyreek Hill trade initially, I sort of thought it was one step back for two steps forward later. Turns out they managed to make it uh, you know, a reset, an instant reset too. They found ways to um, to make that make them grow in certain ways offensively, and and also I think not replenish just in terms of uh, personnel, but it replenish themselves in terms of how they they go about things. And Sam used the term in, in his column and just earlier about A being Andy and B being Patrick or vice versa, um, and the rest coming from that. But I do think just a moment to pause and say there's. There's a pretty spectacular sense of alignment here between Andy, Patrick, and the front office, Brett Veach in particular. And when you when you put that together and also know that all three are, I mean, incredibly exceptional at their jobs in themselves, that's a, that is a powerful alignment. And that speaks to why we can say things like you probably figure on them five years from now, three years from now, seven, eight, ten years from now. Well, I think one of the important things about what, what you wrote is that, you know, next week we all know they're playing the Bengals, and we'll talk more about that later in the week. It's a, it's a huge game. But you look at the rest of the schedule, they're going to have a lot more games resembling the one yesterday than there are the Bengals. And we, we thought going into this season that you looked at the back end of their schedule and they were going to have some, some tough challenges before the playoffs. 
their challenges now before the playoffs in, include teams like Houston, um, Seattle, who just lost at home to the Raiders. And, you know, their, their early magic doesn't look like it's going to hold up over the back half of the year. Two games against the Broncos, who have as bad of offense as anybody in the league right now. A game against the Raiders. Like, that's their playoff preparation. And so a lot of their motivation is going to have to be intrinsic. They're, they're going to have to hit on the points that, that you mentioned in your column without maybe being challenged quite as much by the opposition to do it. Yeah, they're going to have to create their own, uh, <laughs> their own energy in some ways on this. Uh, it has to go a little past just amusement. <laughs> if, if Eric Bieniemy has never used that phrase, create your own energy, he's, he needs to start now. <laughs> He'll come this week for sure. Uh, <laughs> hey, I wanted to get uh, Herbie. Uh, Andrew Leifer had a question on here or a comment on here talking about the Chiefs cannot run the ball on third and short. Um, Going to bite them eventually. I guess, what are your thoughts? We talk about the red zone, but uh, what, what are your thoughts, Herbie, about uh, being able to run it and convert those first downs in the red zone? Because obviously that was a, that was a struggle against the uh, Rams yesterday. Look, I say this every year when Andy Reid and running the football comes up. This isn't something that's brand new. This is something that goes all the way back to his Philadelphia Eagle days. He's always been criticized on his inability to commit to the run. And he had some stud running backs uh, in Philadelphia. Deuce Staley, Brian Westbrook, you know, the Correll Buckhalter. I'm just pulling up names from the past. And that's just something that he just will not do. He is a pass-first coach. Will it come back to bite him in the butt? You know, it hasn't yet. But, you know, you would like to see him run the football more. I think, like, when they got all cute in the red zone there, a lot of that could have been stopped if they just handed it off to Isaiah Pacheco or, you know, Ronald Jones, who was who made his debut. But, yeah, most people would like to see him run the football more, but this is just something that Andy just, for some reason or another, does, does not commit to. Two names, Jesse, Isaiah Pacheco and Ronald Jones. Uh, let's just all mute ourselves and, and let you go on from here. Yeah, I, I did want, at least want to mention that in the red zone, the Chiefs, I, I looked it up because I was curious, uh, 72% scored touchdowns before yesterday. That was third in the league, so – uh, some of the stuff that they were doing was still successful. And again, some of the creativity that happens, we saw Colin Saunders about to get his moment in the sun in there before the Rams called timeout. So this seemed like more of a blip on the radar. The thing I will say um, about it though, is that the one touchdown they did score was what Herbie said. They lined it up and they ran it right down the throat uh, with Isaiah Pacheco in the first half there. So um, yeah, you know, man, the run game, I think it looks better than it has all season, guys. I think they know who their guy is. Uh, 22 carries from Isaiah Pacheco from an Andy Reid offense. That's that's a lot. That's a workhorse with the guy. And then we did see flashes of Ronald Jones. Got to talk to him in the locker room about some of his comments uh, from a month ago where he you know, requested his release. And it did sort of seem like a matter of time, guys. I mean, if you're a running back in the NFL, sometimes you're going to get hurt. And they were kind of kept him on ice. And Ronald Jones looked pretty good. He caught the pass that was thrown to him, you know. I've, I've been as high on Ronald Jones as anybody, but I've never said that he was a great pass protector or a pass catcher, but sure enough, he caught that pass went for 22 yards. But I guess I'm curious what you guys see from the run game too, uh, Sam, are, are you seeing things in the run game that makes you more optimistic about the chiefs moving ahead or uh, again, any reason going to throw the ball. They have Patrick Mahomes, they should throw the ball, but is this an added layer to what you thought they might have, especially because uh, in training camp, you were not completely sold on what Isaiah Pacheco could bring. Yeah, probably somewhere in the middle of where I was in training camp and, and maybe what their production shows because, uh, I mean, 
I, I think we all know that their blocking in the running game has really improved over the past few weeks to where it looks more like it did for the majority of 2021. So, you know, I credit what we've seen lately to that more so than the individual running backs. I mean, the Chargers have a terrible run defense, and obviously Isaiah Pacheco took advantage of that. Um, but, Jesse, you and I chatted after that game on one of these and said we didn't know if Pacheco had, like, an incredible game, you know, last week. And I thought the same thing yesterday. I still think he's got the appearance of, of breaking more tackles than he does, of making people miss more, more frequently than he actually does. Um, I would have liked to have seen Ronald Jones a little bit more yesterday, given how often that they were willing to run the football. I, I think that, again, when we talk about this, this back end of the schedule is going to become relevant in a lot of ways. And, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is out for more than just one week. He's on IR. He's got the high ankle sprain. At minimum, it's four weeks. I think that you owe your, it to yourselves when your running game hasn't been that productive to see what you have in Ronald Jones. You know, the Chiefs did that in their final preseason game. None of us thought Ronald Jones was making the team until they gave him some run in the final preseason game. All of a sudden, he earns a spot on the team. I think I'd like to see one of those games just to, you know, figure out what you have in them. And because, I mean, I, I think Isaiah Pacheco has come a long way from week one, a long way from training camp, but I still think there's a long way to go for him. It's not like he, he's – illuminated himself to, to be the answer to, to the cure to what we've seen from the Chiefs running game over the first half of the season. Yeah. Sam, you, no, go ahead, Mike. Look, just real quick. Are you saying that Pacheco's uh, ability to break tackles after he gets up, after he's tackled is part of what looks, looks like, uh, <laughs> looks like that. I hear so much about how violently he runs and he does have that appearance. But when you look at the statistics, you know, Jesse and I subscribed to uh, what's called Sports Info Solutions. He ranks towards, you know, the bottom fifth of the league in terms of broken and missed tackles. Um, those are those sound like the same stats. It's, it's actually two separate stats. One is making somebody miss. One is actually being contacted by a defender and breaking through it. He doesn't rate well in either one of them. Well, just for the record, for our, our listeners, Sam's a guy who doesn't like turkey on Thanksgiving. Um, and I think that figures into how, how he looks at this. I, I, for my money, I like where Pacheco's, what he's becoming. I think he's got a better sense of pacing. And uh, I, I buy the uh, he runs violently thing. I, I mean, it, maybe he just needs to inflict it on more people that hit him, actually. But um, it, it, fool, it fools the average person. I agree, Vi. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fooling his teammates too because justin reed's talking in the locker room about how much he loves isaiah pacheco and one of the favorite players on the team i also if we're going to look at stats and glass half full uh sam the rushing over expected uh pacheco ranks very well in that one so there is more to this game and part of the reason i thought i that ronald jones really could help the chiefs in the offseason was not necessarily breaking tackles i mean ronald jones will break a few tackles but it's when you get hit, can you fall forward and get three or four more yards? I think that's what we're seeing Isaiah Pacheco do right now is that he's running with physicality, violence ahead, and if it's blocked for five, he's getting seven or eight, and that's what this Chiefs offense needs. I did want to throw this one to Herbie. Uh, Rob mentions this one. Any worry about the younger players hitting a rookie wall? And uh, that's something I've heard people talk about. Uh, Herbie, you cover the NFL a lot. I mean, this this is a lot of rookies for the Chiefs to be playing, so any worry about that toward the end of the season, uh, the Chiefs having that sort of thing pop up? Typically, when you see a rookie hitting the, uh, uh, the rookie wall, you know, he doesn't have that great supporting cast and that leadership around him. 
Uh, I think when you look at this roster here on offense, no, I don't see any rookie walls hitting on defense. Certainly not as well. Yeah. You don't have a Tyron Matthew back there who can keep the rookies focused, but you do have a good core of veteran players. Uh, and you also have second year players who have gone through some stud rookie seasons with Nick Bolton and then even Willie Gay. So, you know, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen with this team. Plus the coaching staff is just so, so darn good, you know, merit, with those defensive backs, especially, is going to keep them focused. Spags is going to keep them focused. So I, I, that's, I just don't see that happening with this group. Yeah, I, another one I want to bring up, and Cody brings this up uh, this point with a comment, is what I think the bigger picture is, and this is how it's shifted to me in the last three or four weeks, is I kind of came into the season thinking Buffalo was going to be the one seed, the Chiefs were going to fight for the division and when winning whatever. The last three weeks, I think that's changed. I think the Chiefs are the team to beat for the one seed now. So uh, the one seed, we talk about the motivation guys, but how much has this flipped in your mind right now? Do you consider the Chiefs the favorites to not only, I mean, I guess let's just leave it open-ended. Where where do you see the Chiefs right now when it comes to the AFC race? Where do you see them when it comes to the NFL race and kind of the whole landscape of things? Sam, I guess we'll start with you. Well, I think those are going to end up being the same question, the AFC and the NFL race, just because I think the AFC is that much superior right now. And, and look, there's some good teams on the NFC, but I don't think they stack up to what the Bills and, and the Chiefs are. I thought the biggest result outside of the Chiefs yesterday was the Ravens losing to Jacksonville because of how easy the back end of their schedule is. They were a team that I was eyeing as one that could potentially get to the number one seed because the schedule would allow it. So now they're two back. I think that's going to be a pretty difficult climb for them. Look, I, I still think the Bills are the best overall team if Von Miller is healthy when they come back to the playoffs. That's still a big if. You know, he's going to be reevaluated, quote unquote, in, in seven to 10 days, according to reports. Um, but that game, it looks like I agree with you, Jesse. I think it's going to be at Arrowhead Stadium now. And a few weeks ago, I wouldn't have said that. And that changes things. You know, I, th I think usually the home team gets about one and a half points. But when you add in the fact it's not going to Buffalo and it's going to Kansas City, that's, you know, you multiply it times two, that's maybe three points. And, you know, I, I feel per so similarly to last year when those two teams met in the playoffs to where I, I thought they were the best two teams. And I kept saying, I, I think it's about a coin flip game. I I'm still in that same area to where if it's at Arrowhead Stadium, I think it's about a coin flip game. If it's in Buffalo, I, I think, you know, a Buffalo by a field goal probably. So why that Thanksgiving game loomed pretty large. You know, Buffalo almost lost that one. That would have given the Chiefs, obviously, an even bigger edge there. Uh, but, hey, give me the grand take, what you think right now. I mean, the Eagles played last night. They put up a zillion points too. Uh, I guess we have to figure out if that game happens, whether that's the Andy Reid Bowl or whether that's the Kelsey Bowl if it took place in the Super Bowl. But uh, where do you see the Chiefs in, in, as far as the landscape of this whole thing? Well, let's work backwards from the obvious conclusion that it will be Eagles-Chiefs in the Super Bowl because it's going to be too much drama for us to stand if uh, if that happens. Um, I I do feel like um, – I, I, I feel like – I mean, look, that's where it stands now. I, I think it seems to me that it will play out this way, that, that this will go through Arrowhead again. It'd be awfully interesting if Patrick Mahomes' first um, first NFL playoff game on the road is, you know, in Buffalo in, in late January. I, I, I'd like to see that game, too. I mean, I, I'm sure Chiefs fans would prefer it to be here, but I'd be intrigued by that. At some point, he'll have to play a road playoff game. Why not, why not start with that? Um, look, I really like what the Chiefs are doing. I think they're uh, – 
as we were looking at this season, nine new starters, a lot of change, uh, some some momentous change in in uh, in terms of two or three of their top five or six players from last year. Uh, if you thought they'd be nine and two and in this position, I I, I think uh, you were probably just hoping and, and maybe guessing. So I think they're a, a much more substantial team than that we might have expected uh, at this stage of the season. It will be pretty vital how they what what they do with what they make of these last uh, six games. Um, sometimes it's they it, you know that expression iron sharpens iron. They're not going to have a lot of that. I mean they're going to have to use use uh, their iron to sharpen themselves, um, and that that's going to be important. I mean we won't know what it really looks like till they're they're playing in the postseason, but you gotta like what they've got and uh one th- one last thing about some of the stuff we've talked about this this is really true i think when you see a team week in and week out uh the way we do the way chiefs fans do sometimes it's easy to just be cognizant of of the things that go wrong for them or their own liabilities or vulnerabilities and then when you look at the teams they might go up against you're more conscious of all their strengths Fact is, there are no perfect teams. Every team's got their vulnerabilities, and um, I think the Chiefs are doing a pretty good job minimizing theirs. I I think it is a spoil thing because I watch other teams in the NFL. You know, whenever it's on or Thursday night or you know Monday night, and it's like when it's third and fifteen, I'm just expecting teams to get it. You know what I mean? It's so crazy. It's like the Mahomes effect of you watching games. You're like, oh, third and long, it's like 50-50, right? You know, and that's. That's not how reality is in football, in the NFL, in college football, whatever. So uh, it is sort of um, you can't get laser focused on what you are watching and, and get kind of used to that. And uh, obviously, these Chiefs are not something you should get used to because uh, the way they have third down success, the way they have offensive success under Patrick Mahomes and with Andy Reid, uh, it is something special. That's why they're in the position they're in. Do you want to end with this one? Uh, another comment from Cody. Uh, throw this to Herbie. Herbie, Cody says, when are you guys going live for the KSU Big 12 Championship 18 preview? Let's hear it. When are you going to go live for it, Herbie? <laughs> well, I won't be going live for that. You know, I'll be, I'll still be covering cheese games. But, hey, kudos to the alma mater for, for beating KU. You know, I was kind of disappointed they didn't drop 50 on them. But, uh, you know, this showdown with TCU should be good. Why are we talking about the Big 12 during cheese week? What's going on here? 47 is almost 50, isn't it? Uh, real yeah, quick, I was like you, five minutes left. Five minutes yeah. left. I was like, they can get to 50. Yeah, that, I knew you were probably gunning for that. Um, Colin Saunders, Cody mentioned this too in the comments. Colin Saunders came on the field. Sean McVay called timeout. What was Colin Saunders going to do on that play? Uh, you can give me a right answer or a wrong answer, Sam. What, 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 what was your prediction there? Well, he was lined up at tight end. Um, I expected him just to be a lead blocker as a fullback. I think we've seen that from him once before, right? Him as a lead blocker, maybe. Um, that's what I was anticipating until he lined up at tight end. So I have no idea. Jesse, I think you called out uh, Hungry Pig right, but I didn't see the uh, the two blockers over there. Um, I don't feel like we could adequately mention the Hungry Pig right without uh, Melly here, considering the, the story behind that. But um I, I really have no idea. I was curious to find out, though. Um, Sean McVay was just ex- extraordinarily concerned about Colin Saunders, though, because he felt the need to call timeout after watching him walk on the field. 
I love how some of this game is like you don't want to put anything on tape. And then part of this one they got in the red zone was Andrew wanted to put everything on tape. So like these these coaches in the future just have to worry about something like, oh, maybe Colin Saunders will come in. Maybe they'll run a reverse double pass with Sky Moore. Vi, what did you see Colin doing on that play? Well, I mean, you have to think it, it would have uh, been something out of the hungry, hungry pig family. Um, <laughs> but uh, hard to know. And, and and look, maybe Andy Reid got exactly what he wanted out of that. Is that the play where uh, McVay ran like 30 yards in two seconds to, to call the timeout? I, I know there was some video of him uh, really scrambling to call a timeout. Who knew that Colin Saunders could uh, evoke that kind of that kind of panic? Oh, yeah, from from the offense, and obviously with, after a concussion, it seemed like too with McVeigh after getting hit by his own uh, his own player earlier in the game too. So that was brutal. Uh, save that one for the playoffs. We'll see. Maybe hungry pig left coming in the playoffs. Obviously, Sam Mellinger was able to pull out that uh, play call from the locker room and uh, had a great story back in the day. But uh, we'll see if Colin Saunders can contribute to a touchdown in the future. Maybe he can help the Chiefs' red zone offense at some point when they really need it. That'll do it for today on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to George Howard, who produced today's show and the live stream broadcast. And thanks to our staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, and Jeff Rosen. Good stuff, as always, by the Chiefs coverage crew of Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, Herbie Teope, and Jesse Newell. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.